This is Focal Point for Thursday the 1st of May. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Oh, I'm happy, as usual. As usual. Good. How's your holiday? It was great, Gihan. Um, we uh, spent a week down south uh, at a farm near Manjimup, and uh, although I could have accessed the internet, I chose to chose not to, and so I went a whole week without any internet access at all. A whole week? When was the last time you did that? I don't think I've done that for, well, a decade or more. Wow. And what is that experience like? Well, at first I suffered a bit of uh, what's called BSA, bandwidth separation anxiety. <laughs> um, but then I just relaxed and uh, let go of it and enjoyed uh, enjoyed my time away from the internet and away from the hustle and bustle of the city and away from work. And it was very relaxing. The, the reason I'm curious about this is because this is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So what was it like when you got back? Did you have a 100 million spam messages in your inbox? I did. I did have 100 million or thereabouts of spam messages, as well as um, uh, quite a few messages related to work and from uh, family, friends and colleagues. And uh, yeah, it just took a couple of hours to get through those and um, then it was back, it was business as usual. Well, as I said, this is kind of a, it's interesting because it's related to our topic for this podcast, which is always on. And uh, it came about because of a conversation that I had with a client of mine, Robin Pierce, who's an expert in time management and productivity. And actually, if you're interested in that in a general in a general sense, you should definitely check out some of her programs and sign up to her newsletter, which is excellent, which you can get at – she runs a business called Getting a Grip on Time. So you can find her at gettingagrip.com. I think that, that alone will do it. And um, we had a conversation which – came about as a result of something she wrote in one of her, her recent newsletters where she was talking about the idea that airlines are now starting to allow um, SMS and occasional phone calls um, from airplanes, which has always been banned before, so you always had to turn off your mobile phones, but airlines are gradually starting to introduce the idea that you can send text messages while you're in the air. And Robin was kind of lamenting the fact that this was the one place where she wasn't. She didn't have to be always on, and it was like the, the last safe haven in the world um, was now that that barrier was being broken. Yeah, that's right. It was like a sanctuary, wasn't it? So you don't have to exactly. go down the Manjimup. You can go to your local airport and get on a flight. <laughs> yes, that's right. And so she was lamenting that fact, and we had a conversation about that because I was in Auckland recently, and she attended a workshop that I that I ran, and we were chatting about this whole idea of being always on and um, my view is that even though we can be very very connected it doesn't mean that we have to be 24 7 connected in every possible way and so we just thought we'd talk about that in in this in this episode of the focal point podcast yeah that's exactly right and and that's what my experience uh, during the school holidays illustrated that you can even go i can even manage a stretch uh, of a week without any access at all and um and the world doesn't melt down. Things get back to normal after a couple of hours of returning to returning to Perth. And so, yeah, you don't have to be always on. So let's talk about some principles in managing managing our lives. And this is not only about business, but it's about your personal life as well. How do you manage your life in an always-on world? So I guess the problem is 
that we've gone from just having telephones as the only way that people could get in touch with or could interrupt us, and those are fixed-line telephones. So now there's mobile phones, there's SMS, there's Blackberries. There are sites that people get addicted to, like Facebook. People spend time in online games and online chat rooms. There's Second Life, where you can have your own life completely on the Internet. And how do you manage your life when you can be always on, always contactable, uh, almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week? That's right. And, and the ideas that we're going to talk about are that you do need to apply some management to, uh, to those processes, otherwise things just get out of control. That's right. And some of those things may be technical and some of those may be just human processes that you put into place to make sure that things, as you say, don't get out of control. So I was thinking about this, Chris, and I came up with three principles which kind of hark back to our engineering days, but I want to talk about them not in terms of technical terms, but as, as a metaphor for the way that you, that you handle an always-on world. One of them you mentioned before, which is a signal-to-noise ratio. The second one is the idea of input-output streams. And the third idea is synchronous versus asynchronous communication. So those are the three principles we're going to talk about. And within that, we'll just, you and I can go back and forth with various ideas within that. Sounds good. So let me start with the signal-to-noise ratio. So this is an engineering term. It's um, any time you send, send any message across any medium, there will be some noise. It's like that old game of Chinese whispers where you pass a message down the down the line and it gets distorted. And because you're whispering it, the, the message that somebody hears gets distorted a little bit more than if it was yelled out loud or spoken in a normal voice. And so by the end of it, the message that you get at the end is very different from the message that was sent at the start. Uh, and we say there's a lot of noise in that, in that medium, in that 20 people sitting around the circle passing the message around. There's a lot of noise and the signal is the good stuff. The noise is the messy stuff that distorts it. So if you like, it's about sifting for gold. Like you have a, if you're panning for gold, there's there's gold and there's dirt, and it's trying to find the gold within the dirt. So I guess uh, if you if you're looking at that in terms of managing your always on world, there, there are a couple of things you could do. I guess there are three things you could do: like signal, which is the good stuff, to try and get more of that; noise, which is the bad stuff, to try and get less of that. And the third thing is actually recognize the difference between them. So there's some stuff that you might, uh, if you think about it, is actually noise and not signal. So if, if you're looking at that, Chris, I was thinking about, okay, well, how do you do that? Like, how do you increase the signal? Um, in other words, how do you get more of the good stuff um, through your through your always-on communication? I think the first thing to do is just prioritize. So you, you know, Chris, that... You've got, a, you've got a wife and a daughter, and I'm sure any communication from them takes priority over anything else, and, and that's the way it should be. Uh, over friends, <laughs> yeah, they should be. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, you're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. You need to prioritize those signals to make sure that the, the uh, signal gets through and the noise, the interruptive stuff, gets filtered out. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a case of saying, well, these are the things that are important to me. And I think so many people don't do that. They don't put a filter in that says, well, I've got different people who have different needs um, to call on me and there's some people who need a higher priority therefore they should be able to get through and other people shouldn't. That's right and also those priorities can change depending upon the task that you're performing at the time so as you say family matters take precedence at certain times of day and as I work from home then there are other times work hours when uh, work needs to take precedence and Sheree and 
and Lauren know that, and uh, and when I'm in the study, they know not to interrupt me. Yeah, exactly. And and you can do some technical things. So, if, um, for example, with mobile phones now, you can change the, the ringtone. So you know that if Cherie and Lauren are ringing on a mobile phone, you can set up a specific ringtone for them so that you know to take that call, whereas every other call can just go to voicemail or to message bank. Um, so you can, you, there are things that you can do. The same with your email coming in. You can set up filters in your email so that email coming in from certain email addresses automatically goes into a, a read later. Um, I do that when I subscribe to newsletters on the internet. I use a special email address to subscribe so that any email coming into that email box automatically gets filed away for later reading and doesn't clutter up my normal inbox. Yeah, that's right, Gihan. And of course, uh, the most obvious example of that, one of the worst forms of noise is uh, spam. And so pretty much it's... Um, um, Unavoidable that you have to have a an effective spam filter on your on your mail client these days. Absolutely, absolutely, because you're right. Like the bulk of my email that I receive in my inbox is spam. And actually, I should say that I have a number of inboxes, so I actually have six of them set up. Um, so I have one for my newsletter. So when I send out my newsletter, people who reply to it go to a newsletter inbox. Um, I have one for my newsletters that I subscribe to. As I mentioned before, I have another one for personal email, and I have a few others. And it means that I can choose which ones I read at what time of the day. So as you said, Chris, the priorities might change, and I will only download my personal email outside work hours or when I'm having a break. So personal email that comes in is very tempting to reply to straight away, but it interrupts my workday. And by having a separate mailbox for it, I can choose when I download that email. Yeah, that. Well, I don't have uh, six inboxes like you, Gihan, and probably most of our listeners won't. Um, I do have a work-related one. I have a work client on a work PC, and I also have my personal PC with my personal email client running on that. And one of the things I, could, I choose to do is not to have my personal email client open during work hours. Although a new technique that you introduced me to just last week was to still have the client open but not having it checking for new messages in my inbox every 10 minutes uh, because sometimes it is useful to go to my personal um, email client and because it has a calendar tool built into it. Um, so having it open is useful but not having it interrupt me every 10 minutes when inevitably a bit of spam has uh, landed in, a, in, a, in my inbox um, or a message for a, a personal message has arrived. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we'll talk about that more when we get into that that whole idea of synchronous versus asynchronous communication. Um, the other thing with the signal-to-noise ratio, Chris, is obviously one thing is to prioritize and create systems for increasing your signals, but this, the other side of that is deciding what's um, noise and then getting rid of it. So there's, there are easy things that you can do. So I have email on all the time when I'm working, but I make it a habit to go through and unsubscribe from any newsletters that I don't read regularly. So there used to be a time when I was so keen to get everything and read everything. And then one day I just realized there's so much out there that I'm not getting access to anyway. So I'm already missing out on more than I'm actually reading. So why why am I getting obsessed about missing out and not, not having time to read stuff? I just unsubscribe from things that I don't get value from. So if I get if I get a newsletter three or four times and I don't have time to read it, the fifth time I'll just unsubscribe from it. And it's made a big difference 
that now I only get the things that I'm particularly interested in and that I particularly read every time. Yeah, that's that's a good rule. And you can take it slightly further. One of the things that I do, not so much with newsletters, but rather with subscribing to um, to, um, to blogs or to podcasts, is that um, when a, a new uh, item is received by my, my reader, I can see the subject line. And if it's if the subject line appears interesting, then um, I, I leave it on the list of things to read. And if it's one whose subject line doesn't engage me, I don't necessarily unsubscribe. I just delete that particular episode. Right. So that's something that you've decided will occasionally give you, or regularly enough gives you enough interesting information that you want to stay subscribed, but you don't have to read every single thing. That's right. Um, I think the other thing to understand with things like, particularly with things like email, where you feel you have to respond to everything, I just don't think that's the case. There are some emails, um, even emails that ask you for a response, where it may be appropriate not to respond. There's no rule that says, I have to reply to an email just because somebody asks me a question. Now, you might say there's a polite way that you respond and fob them off, but you don't you don't even have to respond at, respond at all. There's some things where I've decided this is just not worth my value responding, and they just they will they will find an answer elsewhere. Yeah, that's a tricky one, Gihan. It's one I have difficulty with because we, you and I have grown up in a world where where we didn't have the internet. We were raised sort of if someone asks you a question, then it's polite to respond. And I guess those rules from our our offline lives. Um, are slightly different, as you've just explained. There are times when an answer is not even ex expected necessarily, and you don't always have to reply. Um, and that's one I still struggle with. Sometimes I find myself replying um, in a context when perhaps it wasn't necessarily wasn't necessary. And um, yeah, I think I need to start applying that filter more aggressively. Mm, I, I think the thing with that, Chris, is that you just have to have systems in place. So, for example, when people email me at my main work email address. I have an autoresponder, so they get a reply immediately saying, "If this is a if this is a client-related email regarding website support for one of my clients, please contact Eva at our help desk." So I tell people of the most appropriate way to respond, and I give them a reason why, uh, because I say I'm not always at my desk and I'm spending less and less time there. It's Eva's job. She understands the system. She'll be she'll be better placed to respond to it, and clients accept that. They understand that they will actually get a more timely and a more appropriate response from somebody else than they will by sitting back and waiting for me to respond. So I've put that system in place um, that makes it appropriate for me to not always have to respond. Right. But that doesn't always work. You can't always do that. So let's go on to the second point, Chris, which I was talking about, the idea of input-output streams. And I guess that's a technical term, but I was thinking in terms of a, a pipe. If you have a, a hose pipe or a piece of plastic piping and you put water through it, water can flow in both directions, uh, either from one end of the pipe to the other or the other way around. And if you compare that with a valve, where a valve is something that, that will stop the flow in one direction. So it'll allow water to flow one way, but not the other way. And I, I guess there are, there are times with our, in our always-on world where there's some technology that you can choose to treat as a valve, that you can tr choose to treat as one-way communication, not necessarily open it up to two-way communication. Okay. So my example is my mobile phone. I use my mobile phone a lot. 
Um, I've got a very good plan, which allows me to make lots of phone calls in a month for a fairly low fee, but I use it almost exclusively for outgoing phone calls. And I've made a decision that my, I don't give out my mobile number to, to most clients. Um, I, I use it for personal use, so my friends and family can use it, but I use it a lot for outgoing calls. So I have a landline number for incoming calls. Um, there's a support number for that goes to Eva for managing client support. But my mobile phone is pretty much a valve. It's outgoing only, not really in, incoming. And that's a decision I've made so that I don't have to be always on and always on call when, I, when I'm out and about. I can make that choice. And uh, it's my choice. It's not necessarily the world, and I don't have to react to the world. I can proactively decide when I'm going to be connected. I see, yep. And in the other direction, there are technologies that are sort of broadcast only out there. So things like podcasts, like this, is, this podcast is pretty much us broadcasting in one direction. Uh, we don't, we get a few responses, but we don't expect any particular responses to, to our podcasts. Um, there's another. There's a client of mine, Matt Church, and at, there was a time when he had a policy that he would give out his mobile phone number to to anybody, but he asked people to SMS them to to text him rather than phoning him. And uh, again, that's that's about that synchronous versus asynchronous. That he could again choose that he didn't have to respond in the moment. He could choose when to respond. So he was opening himself up. So he was making himself available but in such a way that he had control over it. It was all done on, on his terms. Right. And I think it's uh, both the, the signal-to-noise ratio and the, the input-output um, metaphors that, that you're describing here, they both involve a degree of, uh, I think the key word is control, and it, it's that uh, ability to be able to control the flow of information that um, helps you to manage these sorts of things, whereas if you're always on and you're just letting messages uh, arrive um, all the time, then it's those interruptions and the context switches or the, the multitasking that you have to do that introduces the inefficiencies into the way you the way you process all this information. It does. And I think this is a good point, a good time, Chris, for me to mention something else, that there's some people um, who will be listening to this where your life is driven by external inputs. So some of the things we're talking about may not be appropriate. You can't do everything because your job might be to react. And it might be, in fact, if you're, for example, an executive assistant or a personal assistant, a lot of your time might be spending reacting so that you actually you let your boss do the, the proactive stuff and you're protecting other people from having to be reactive. So some of these things that we're talking about may not be appropriate. You can't just turn off every phone and say, well, I'm only going to make outgoing phone calls because there's going to be somebody who's going to be managing the incoming calls. And even for many of my clients who are infopreneurs, they're speakers, trainers, consultants, I say to them, information overload is good. Your clients expect you to have information overload. They expect you to be the person who sifts through all the information and then filters it down and creates uh, and then delivers in a way that's relevant and meaningful and uh, appropriate for them. So they expect you to go through the information overload process so that they don't have to. Yeah, that's right. You're the one who's improving the signal-to-noise ratio for them. Exactly, exactly. So you have to filter out some of the noise. Um, but, but the same token, you have your own 
noise that you have to filter out so that you can still get the high quality signals through. So let's talk about the synchronous versus asynchronous, Chris, because it's something that we've touched on a couple of times and and you described it as a slightly different way as time shifting. Do you want to talk about what that means? Sure. So um, time shifting is a term whereby, as you say, in, in the always-on world, we're receiving signals from all sorts of sources. We're receiving email all the time or phone calls or SMS messages or we've got our instant messenger turned on and, and getting uh, little messages from that as well. Time shifting is a process whereby you're able to receive that, that information but uh, at any time, but the time at which you actually process that information is, is some time later on. And a good example, of course, is this particular podcast where we're um, creating it on the 1st of the first of May, 2008, and it'll be published probably later today um, and be available from that point on. And so people who are subscribers will receive a notification that uh, the podcast is available. But it's not up to, if, they, if they're doing things correctly, they don't have to uh, listen to the podcast immediately. They can uh, queue it for listening to when they um, have some free time later on, or they can download it to uh, an audio MP3 player, they can listen, listen to it in their car, or whatever. So it's that, that concept of consuming the information at, um, at a point that you at a point in time that you choose it's known as time shifting yeah I find that with that with the teleseminars that I run so I run monthly teleseminars for my clients and I think I have as many people who download the recording and listen to it later as I have on the teleseminar call itself now of course there are some disadvantages that they can't ask me questions they can't ask for clarification they can't raise issues themselves when they're listening to it later however it may be more convenient for them to be to forego those disadvantages or those advantages of having it live and simply listening to it later because it's more convenient is it's on their own terms it's when they're doing something else like they're at the gym or they're driving and therefore they can actually get they they have more control over how they consume that information yeah that's that's precisely how I've been listening to your teleseminars Gihan. oh you do um, listen yes <laughs> I certainly do. I um, post a, a question to the to the forum prior to the broadcast to the teleseminar, and then uh, once it's available as a podcast, I listen later on. And you know that's one of the things that I do as a publisher as well. That I realise that it's I can still provide value just by doing the live teleseminar, but I do provide that facility that I ask for questions beforehand, partly because I can prepare then what I'm going to cover, but also partly because I know there are people like you who will be unable to get on to the teleseminar live, but they have a question which I can still answer during the teleseminar, and you'll still get the value of my answer later. So as a publisher, just think about the, think about the way that people are consuming your information. So they may be doing it live, they may be doing it in replay or time-shifted form. That's right, yeah. I think the other thing about this whole idea of time-shifting, and let me explain the thing about synchronous versus asynchronous, Synchronous communication is where the, the two parties communicating and they have to be there at the same time. Asynchronous means that they don't have to be there. So an example will make this clear. So if you've got a telephone call, it has to be a synchronous communication. If I'm calling you, you have to be answering the you have to answer the phone and we're communicating live. With asynchronous a, a, Probably the simplest example is email. If I send you an email message, you don't have to be there at the time that I send you the message. You can reply to that at any point in the future. So 
there are some things that by nature are synchronous and should be, like phone calls or meetings or live teleseminars or if you're in a live chat room or you're playing an online multi-user game, that has to be synchronous because you're interacting with other people at the same time. And there's some things that by nature are asynchronous, like email, as I mentioned. Um, SMS, text messages, are by nature asynchronous. You don't have to reply to a text message straight away. Podcasts, which you've already mentioned, Chris. And there are things like online forums where you post a message, you post a question, and then other people can reply at their leisure, and you've logged back in again to look at the answer. Yeah, that's right. And some of the, uh, as you said, uh, for example, email being asynchronous, some of the mistakes that people make is is um, falling into the trap of treating it as a synchronous forum, as a synchronous co uh, conversation. And so feel the need to, as soon as they receive a message, having to respond immediately or having to respond at all, in fact. So um, so getting realising that uh, some some communication is asynchronous and taking advantage of that is going to be to your advantage. It's tempting, isn't it? It's tempting to reply to an SMS as soon as you receive it. It's tempting to reply to an email as soon as you receive it. And if you fall into that temptation, the solution is something that you mentioned earlier, Chris, is just not to check for email or text messages so regularly. So you don't have to um, even know that those email messages have been coming in. You can choose the times. Again, it's about control. You can choose when you get control over your time to be able to manage your email or manage your um, your phone messages. Yeah. And you're right. There's a there's a temptation to make some asynchronous communication synchronous, and you just don't need to do that. Um, people are generally happy if you reply to email within 24 hours. I mean, there may be urgent things that you have to reply to sooner. And certainly there's some text messages that you get that you have to respond to immediately because of the, the message. But you don't have to in all cases. And I think one of the things, one of the pieces of advice I'd give is just relax, slow down, and just recognize that you don't have to be, just because you're always on, doesn't mean you have to be always responsive. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this, Chris? kind of getting to the end of our time and since we're talking about time management we should be efficient that's right we should um one of the things i was going to ask you to mention gihan it was about um some of the the, the advice that we've given some of the tip, some of the uh, techniques that i've used is sort of has been a bit reactionary and so in that um managing um email for instance means turning off a particular email client or turning off the, the checking for messages every 10 minutes um but um you, you gave an anecdote uh, when we were talking about this offline uh, about a professional yes. speaker and SMSing during um, during his presentations, and it was a, a clever out of the box approach to dealing with that. Um, that was sort of rather than being reactionary and saying turn off your SMS messages, he did something quite clever. Yes, that's right. It's, I guess that the, the the broad principle around this is to embrace the technology rather than fighting it. So you're right, Chris, some of the things we've talked about are how you can manage like the onslaught of spam or SMSs or always being on even when you're in an airplane. So part of that is, is being defensive, but there's also a way that you can say, let's, let's embrace the technology. And you're right, this story was told to me by Alan Stevens, who's the president of the Professional Speakers Association in the UK, and he was in Australia recently at a conference I attended. And we were talking about this idea that um, 
audiences now are much less attentive than they used to be because there are other things that can distract them. And he says, particularly in younger audiences, Generation Y, they will more that they they have a shorter attention span and I guess a lower tolerance for listening to speakers for long length of, uh, for a long period of time, especially if they're not interesting and engaging. And he says, particularly, he like he in one of the presentations he did, he surveyed his audience. He was speaking to an audience, corporate audience, but of younger people. And he said, look, how many of you have sent an SMS already during this presentation? He said, I'm not trying to. There's no blame. I just want to. I just like to know. And most of the people in the audience put up their hand. So most of the people in the audience had been distracted at some point or another to the extent that they'd been sending text messages on their phone. And, you know, this happened to me as well, Chris, at that, at that particular conference, I was in the middle of a presentation by who I, somebody who I thought was a terrible speaker. She was just had no content at all. And I took it on um, to myself to text a friend and say, look, I'm in the middle of this pre awful presentation. So it was even a, a trivial text message, but more and more people are doing that. Mm. So Alan's solution to this is saying, well, I'm not going to say stop doing it or turn your mobile phones off or you're going to get in trouble if you do it because that's fighting the technology. What he decided to do was in future presentations, at the start of his presentation, he'd say, look, I know most of you have got mobile phones. Here's my mobile phone number. And he put it up on the screen. He said, if you've got any questions, text them to me. And towards the end of the presentation, I'll just check for any messages coming in on my phone and I'll answer them for you. So, that's a very clever and, as you say, out-of-the-box way of embracing that technology and making use of the fact that people are using mobile phones during his presentation and using it in a very positive and a, a, a very accommodating way rather than trying to, to hide it or fight it or uh, ban it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good note to finish on. Great. Well, as usual, Chris, um, very efficient session today, as well as being effective, I'm sure, and uh, very enjoyable. Look forward to talking to you again, Kihan. Yep, will do. We'll speak in a couple of weeks' time. Okay. Bye. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N. P-E-R-E-R-A.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.